Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity treatment. M-O-L-M-M. That feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, that's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. Six hours later. Y'all done got digly pain. You done got digly pain. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the only show that makes you get a foot bath before you can reach the really deep lore. I am your host, Jason Helms, and this month I'm joined by a very special guest, Renata Price. Uh, Ren, could you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is um, Renata Price. I am a uh, freelance games writer and some other stuff, uh, currently doing some secret special projects that I cannot talk about on this podcast. I, I do appreciate the uh, the proper pronunciation of podcast, uh, and I, I will use it moving forward. Um, and so we met uh, a few months ago when I randomly reached out to you uh, because of your great take on Dark Souls and asked you to come to my class and teach them about games and genre. And you were so willing, and I really appreciate it. Uh, and then at the last minute, I reached out again and, and asked you to step in for this Paradise Killer. So thank you again for being willing to step in here. Um, the last couple months have been pretty rough on my co-hosts, and neither was able to play this game, which is a huge disappointment for me, uh, not because you know they're sick or anything like that, but because uh, it's a great <laughs> game, and I want them to play it. Uh, that's the thing I care about. Uh, so wishing Ben and Core all the best. Uh, super grateful to Ren for stepping in at the last minute. Um, today we're going to talk about Paradise Killer, which I think is best described as just an entire vibe. Ren, does that resonate with you? I would say it does resonate with me. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about the development in a safe, spoiler-free setting, and then let loose those spoilers for the rest of the pod. To start, though, the largest, uh, what I think had the largest impact on the game's reception, this is my personal take is the fact that Hades was released a week and a half after Paradise Killer. So Paradise Killer came out September 4th. Hades came out September 17th. There was this magical week and a half where people were talking about Paradise Killer, and then suddenly all discourse around it got eaten up by Hades. Uh, I think I maybe even first heard about it on Fanbyte, probably from you, Ren. Uh, heard about Paradise Killer that way. I love Hades, and, uh, but it's a real shame that this happened this way, and it reminds me of the way that Horizon Zero Dawn got devoured by Breath- the Breath of the Wild discourse a few years ago. Can you talk a little bit about that week and a half at Fanbyte? Were you the first in the crew to get Paradise Killer? Did someone else turn you in onto it? That was actually um, right after my internship had ended. So I had actually oh. stopped working at Fanbyte um, that week. September 4th was literally my last day at Fanbyte Media. Wow. Um, which is a little fun fact. Uh, Natalie was the person who covered the game for Fanbyte. Uh, and it was uh, also fun. Well, Funke, while not uh, working at Fanbyte, is very close with the site. Uh, so um, Funke and Natalie um, were talking about the game on uh, on Twitter. And I kind of, I, I saw some, I saw some cool stuff. Um, uh, on my private Twitter, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah! No, this is <laughs> no, I, no, I need to, I need to, I need to get this one." So I ended up grabbing um, Paradise Killer in that following week, um, where I was kind of recovering from working on the um, Fanbyte Twenty Four live stream, where I just like went into like a weird hermit mode and just devoured all of Paradise Killer in um, like a week, and it was just ugh, it was so good. I absolutely adore the video game, and I think that hmm, I don't know if paradise killer was devoured by hades Mm -hmm. um in the same way the horizon zero dawn and breath of the wild 
because I think that Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn share a space that Hades and Paradise Killer do not. Very true. Both in terms of, like, form and, like, culture, because I think that um, Paradise Killer is, like, feels like a true indie game, like a yeah. true indie-ass yep. indie game, and at this point, Supergiant has kind of, feels like they've grown out of that space. Yeah. Um, definitely still a part of it, um, and part of, like, that weird, messy thing we call indie games, but Supergiant, after Bastion, okay, the history of Supergiant, right? Bastion comes out at the, like, best possible time because it comes out right at the beginning of the Xbox Live Arcade era where indie games really start going. So it comes out alongside stuff like Braid uh, or a little bit after stuff like Braid and is part of this big explosion where everyone goes, wait, indie games exist and they come out on consoles now? Uh, and Supergiant is, is I think, deeply, uh, and they're kind of, as a studio, is deeply tied to that era where I think that Paradise Killer emerges out of the, like, weird indie, the late yes. indie weird indie yes. of, like, the um, late 2010s, where stuff got real wacky. Uh, yeah. And because of that, I think that they are, I think that Paradise Killer was always going to be eaten. Yeah. Or it's less that it was eaten, and more that it did the thing that games like it do. I actually think the uh, a good a good parallel to Paradise Killer would be um, uh, Umrangi Generation. Yeah. Which is, I think, inhabiting a similar space, but I think people are biting onto it for longer. Yes. Um, especially because of the DLC release. Um, both Paradise Killer and Umrangi Generation are on my Game of the Year list. Yeah. For good reason. But I think that those are the two that actually are inhabiting a similar space, and if anything is going to devour, devour Paradise Killer, it is going to be Umrangi Generation. If anything wipes our memory, it will be that. That's interesting. I, and it is... It definitely connects with Paradise Killer in a lot of the vibe ways as well. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in the way that, uh, so Umurangi Generation had a delayed Switch release, and uh, Paradise Killer came out same day on Switch and various other platforms. Uh, now I kind of want to look back and think about the ways that that affected the the uptake of both games as well. Uh, in other words, did the delayed Switch release allow people to finally bite on Umurangi Generation months and months after it had been released? Mm -hmm. I think there's I think there's that aspect of it. I think it's also that when Umrangi Generation came out, there were a bunch of people championing it. Yes. I think Eric Van Allen over at um I think Eric was over at US Gamer at the time. I'm not sure that I might I don't want to I don't want to be wrong about that. Um I will feel bad if I was wrong about that. But I was I was a very early champion of the game. That was actually one of the first games that I like really wrote about at Fanbyte was Umrangi Generation. Um Definitely made a splash among, uh, I'm thinking of critics who really, like, championed it early on. Uh, it was uh, myself, it was Eric Van Allen, it was Austin Walker, I think Kato as well, um, yeah. over at Waypoint. Yep. Um, so Austin and Kato, big champions of it. And then with the recent DLC release, um, we see, and basically people go back and go, oh yeah, this is the game of the year. Yeah. For a lot of people, and I think that's, I think that's a fair read. Um, I think that the thing that puts it especially in conversation with Paradise Killer is that both of them feel, Paradise Killer feels like it definitely emerges from the late 2010s, right? It's a game about Vaporwave, it is a game about how we construct our ideas of justice, it is a game about, like, weird collective ennui, right? Uh, Umarangi Generation, which is about, specifically a game about 2020, and, um, and mm, with its DLC, yes. becomes explicitly a game about 2020, 
in a really interesting way. So while Paradise Killer emerges from the late 2010s, Umurangi Generation is in direct conversation with the year in which it was released. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of alters their places in the conversation. Um, Umurangi Generation is a game about protest uh, and resistance. Paradise Killer is a game about justice and how it's constructed. And yeah. those are very important conversations and conversations we've been having as communities uh, over the last few years. Yeah. But yeah. That's the that's the context that I would put it in. Well, do you have to come on and be smarter than me, like, right away? Like, could you just, like, wait a couple <laughs> minutes? Uh, <laughs> this is why I'm so excited to have Ren here. Um, cool. Let's... Sorry. I want to get into I want to get into Paradise Killer and meaning and and what it's trying to do because it's trying to do so many different things. But uh, very quickly, let's get into the development. Uh, give you the the two minute pitch on why you should play this game, and then just spoil the hell out of it so we can really get into the the crunchy lore and the meaning this game has. Uh, sound good? Mm-hmm. Sounds great. All right. So uh, Paradise Killer developed by Kaizen Gameworks, which is basically two people, uh, Ollie Clark-Smith and Phil Crabtree. Uh, They've brought in a bunch of other people, but those are the two main leads. Um, They hired composer Barry Topping to score it uh, after they were a few years into development. Uh, God, this score is so good. I love this music. It is so good. Uh, You mentioned that you (laughs) spent the last hour or so just kind of listening to the uh, soundtrack before coming in. Is that right? Uh, yeah, and then eventually I did decide to go play through the ending again. But I started by just, like, vibing um, yeah. with a soundtrack on um, the Bandcamp page. Yeah, I, I spent a couple hours uh, just playing it last night just to get back into it. And gosh, I love the music. Sorry, can I just say one more thing about the music? I Please. adore my girlfriend. She makes me very happy. I sent her, um, God, uh, Stay Forever. Like, the the game's, like, signature song. I, yeah. believe, that, I believe it's Stay Forever. Um, and... Uh, she she messaged me and goes, why was it so long? And I've never been more upset at her in my entire life. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. And the answer, the answer, Belle, is because it's good. <laughs> it's because it's good. That's why it's so long. Uh, I, I think that was my co-host's reaction to the game itself. Why is it so long? Um, <laughs> actually, one of them never never even opened it. So uh, that this was not them. <laughs> that was not their take on it. Um, gosh, it's so good. All right. So uh, Ollie did a bunch of the art, but then brought in Rachel Noy, uh, who's the art uh, lead for this game, because it was not something that he'd had a lot of experience with before. I love the art in this game. I had a tough time figuring out how much was uh, Rachel's, how much was Ollie's, just as I was doing my research about it. But it seems like they both had a, a, a big effect on it. They also bought a ton of assets off Unreal Marketplace and then just manipulated the hell out of them to fit the setting, which I think is such a great approach. Um the the weird uh you know demonic idols and things that are in this game mm-hmm. that are clearly just two objects smashed together and then covered in chrome <laughs> so good. and it's like yeah that's really good okay so um i found this quote from andy kelly's pc gamer piece uh, a quote from uh ollie clark smith about the game he said capitalism takes any style at once and churns out something insipid which is what vaporwave is against we took out elements from vaporwave we did it with respect I'm happy other people have seen past the aesthetic and picked up some of the themes we were trying to communicate through the art. And, and I really like the way that the aesthetic matches the, the meaning here, that, that those two things kind of collide, mm-hmm. um, that this is vaporwave the game, um, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, and your mileage may vary on that. All right. So that's most of the development stuff, small team, quick work. And now we're going to get into the actual game itself, uh, and spoil away, but, Ren, do you want to try and sell this game quickly to people who are on the fence? 
Yes, uh, I can. I can take a shot at it. Um, <laughs> Paradise Killer is a game about how we understand justice um, in community in a world that is always ending. You know, the game takes place at the at the end of a world, but at the end of the twenty fourth instance of a world, right? This is a game about endings. This is a game about what we do with those and what we do with the people who are left behind afterwards. Um, a bunch of people are always murdered in this game and a bunch of people are always left behind in this world. There are people who are killed. There are people who are left behind. And I think that is, for me, the fundamental question of Paradise Killer. I love it a lot. If you like detectives, if you like being a detective and all of the complicated um, baggage that comes with that... It's a great detective story. Yep, it's 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 noir. It's Miami Vice, uh, but it's also a game with some real thoughts about justice in our current um, moment, our current historical moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to add: it's just it's a fun place to just explore. It's a fun place to just wander. God, it's so good. And I, I that's one of the things that is is so tough to communicate about it is the level design that it's just that it's good that it's just really good um and really smart all right so now we're going to spoil away we're going to tell you where to find those those fun easter eggs um and all that stuff uh if you haven't played it yet go download it play it or get spoiled uh but here we go let's get on to the game All right, so we should probably tell a little bit about the story. You've hinted at it, but we are in the, is it right, 24th iteration? 24th installation of Paradise, yes. Yeah, and so in this world, and this is not told to you up front. This is something that you slowly figure out by reading all the little lore pieces around the island. Some of them just by reading interviews with the creators later. But there is an alternate reality alongside our reality. And... Everything is going to be taking place in this alternate reality. In this alternate reality, uh, there's a group of people. What is the the group of people called? The, not the citizens. The uh, what? What all the main characters are? Oh God, they are not the council. They are. Um, oh Jesus, this is mean. What you're doing right now is mean. Yeah, no, no. You know, they're they're immortal people who did something. They originally started out as human beings. They did something amazing in history. And then we're um, usually fighting some kind of god. And then we're taken out of history, out of our history, and put in this uh, recurring paradise where they will sacrifice citizens who are human beings brought from our reality to this reality uh, and use that sacrifice. Syndicate, to, the syndicate. The they're syndicate, called the syndicate. They're called the syndicate. The syndicate. Thank they're you. called the syndicate. <laughs> so the, the syndicate is people from our reality who have been elevated to this immortal status. They then take people from our reality and sacrifice them ritualistically. Uh, before, but before that, they make them live in cramped apartments for, for decades. And then they sacrifice them so that they can build a better paradise and, and appease the gods in some way. Uh, the lore gets more complex than that. Uh, but you take the role of Lady Love Dies, an investigator, a detective in Paradise. What happens in Paradise is uh, – Paradise is great. It's perfect, right? It's called Paradise. Unfortunately – in the past, every time they build this perfect paradise, they sacrifice ritualistically all of these people to make this paradise. Something goes wrong, and paradise isn't perfect, and so they have to start it all up again. 
and literally end this paradise, start a brand new one. So we are now on the 24th iteration. Somewhere around, I think, the 13th iteration, Lady Love Dies did did something bad, right? And it's only alluded to kind of tangentially throughout the game. You actually don't even have to get this full story. But she was uh, deluded by a god and uh, did something she shouldn't do because a, a god uh, literally kind of either possessed her or persuaded her to do something. Mm-hmm. And so she has been uh, in lockdown for the past thousand years in her sp- weird, cool space prison. And you start the game as Lady Love dies in your cool space prison, getting told, hey, there's been a murder and we need you to come down and investigate because you are the investigator. And you find out that the murder is the entire ruling council that runs Paradise. And you have been called in to investigate this murder. Uh, you then go through and you jump around this cool open world place. Um finding clues and little trinkets and uh then you make a case and say i think so and so did it and i think so and so helped them and then the game ends and one of the cool parts about this game is that you can start that case whenever you want i i immediately upon beating the game and figuring out the grand conspiracy i jumped back in went to the uh trial and said uh hey that, that patsy that guy who clearly didn't that everybody's accusing uh yeah let's just say he did it can we be done with the game now? And you can. You can do a speedrun of this game in like 20 minutes, uh, just jumping through all that stuff. But And it's interesting that the game kind of doesn't care. It lets you decide what you want justice to be. You don't get you know the bad ending. You just get you didn't enjoy the game uh, because you just said, yeah, it's Henry. Henry did it. So what was your approach to this game? How, how did you play it? When, how did it suck you in? So I think that the first thing that really got me about Paradise Killer, um, and this is a thing that I think a lot of other people hate about the game, I actually really love how it feels to play, which is something that other people absolutely despise. Um, the character movement, one, the music, right? The music, yes. the vibe, right? the actual like aesthetic worked really well for me. There is something to the way, I played it on Switch, there is something to the way that Lady Love Dies, the character you're playing, controls and the momentum that she carries and that you can kind of play with. And it's deeply unwieldy. The momentum is incredibly unwieldy, but there's just something that feels excellent about it. My love for the game kind of started the first time I like jumped and dashed and like I kept my momentum in a way that I didn't expect to. Uh, And from that point forward, kind of the way I was traversing the world became, the traversal became joyous. And once the traversal became joyous, the exploration, which I already really liked, became so much better. Uh, And every single time I got a new movement ability, it kind of just pushed me forward to, like, move through the space faster and faster and find literally everything that I could. Because I didn't care that it was taking me forever because I was just listening to this cool music and controlling this character who felt weird and, like, not good in the traditional sense— but like felt such a way that communicated something to me and that the thing that was being communicated made me feel good. 100%. And so basically I dug into finding literally every single object I could. Yes. I think I got pretty close to 100% in the game. So I, I, for those who haven't played, I want, I want to zoom in on these, these controls a bit because we talked in the past about, you know, uh, on the podcast about Mario is precision. Right. That's that's what it is. It's you jump and you land exactly where you think you should. And bad platformers are often kind of mushy. Right. It, it just doesn't feel quite right to jump. And and Paradise Killer has a, a really interesting third position that I don't think I've seen before, but that you hit the nail on the head with, on, which is momentum. 
there's this real feeling of momentum whenever you jump, whenever you go somewhere, it, it carries you a little bit further than you thought. And it, that, for me, I connect in the same way. It just felt really good to run and jump around and get places kind of quickly and then try to figure out, okay, how am I going to jump to this little pinnacle and stop in the right place to pick up my uh, blood crystal? Blood crystals, mm-hmm. yes. Blood crystals. Yeah, yeah, blood crystals. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, blood crystals. Um, I also just enjoyed finding Shinji anywhere I could. Oh, my God. Shinji's my laugh. favorite character so in this video good. game. I love that weird little fucker. Oh, my God. Am I, I allowed to say that word on Absolutely. This? Okay, yeah. perfect. Uh, ben um, ben will, uh, will cut it. We'll bleep it. We're fairly fairly family friendly but please say it uh and let him i love that weird little pervert oh my god (laughs) he's just oh he's excellent he's so good he is oh blah 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 rupture in a text i love this dude (laughs) what are you kidding me i don't even i'm not even gonna make a weird academic argument about him i just like his whole shit he just he just absolutely owns and fills me with a deep joy Every single time I found him. So Shinji is a demon that is never explained. Yeah. Right. I don't, I, I never got to the story reason that he's there. He's just there. Cause it's fun to be there. He's there. Well, that's why he's there. Like that's yeah. the story reason is that Shinji vibes. Like yeah, there's not like a big it. secret plot about Shinji. He's just cool. He's just a cool dude. Who's watching this and being like, damn, y'all are really weird. Huh? Huh? I guess yeah. y'all are kind of weird. Huh? Yeah. Later. That's it. That's it. Poof. <laughs> or whatever his laugh is. Right. And he, he explodes, right? Every interaction ends with him laughing and exploding and disappearing. And the way they've set him up in the world is he's not a character that kind of walks up and talks to you. He's a character that exists in the same way that all of the random items exist, right? He's out there in the world and you just find instances of him. And they've set up the world in such a way that no... No two instances of Shinji can be seen from the same vantage point, because that would break, you know, the rules of the world. And so you go and you you find him over in this closet. You go and find him over here, and he has a different random thing to say that will push the story forward in some way, but never in the way that it, it feels linear in any way. It's just him, like you said, just vibing, just enjoying yeah. all of it. He he both does and does not care about what's happening. Yes. Um, well, he is he is both an invested and a completely disinvested spectator at the same time, right? He doesn't have a stake in it. Okay, he ha- this story has stakes for him in the same way that an audience has stakes in a narrative. Yeah, he's he's the audience, and he just wants to mess with you. Right. That's it. That, well, that's his. Yeah, mark. I think I think that's what distinguishes him from the audience. Yeah. Is that he is, huh? He is interested in but antagonistic towards this story. Yes. He's a heckler. Yeah. Um, he's a heckler <laughs> who you like to have around, is, is what Shinji is, which is a very rare thing. Yeah, I can't think of a lot of uh, other versions of that. Um, but that's exactly what he is. Yeah, he's like a cool heckler. Hey, did you, did you find the dog? Yes, I did find the dog. Okay. Is, is he in there multiple places? Because I found him last night for the first time. Bear Chan. He is in there a couple of places, I believe, yes. Okay, okay. And, if I, I remember. I was so proud of myself for finding him. I, I am so shocked at how much of this game I did not play when I sunk 23, 24 hours into it, and there was just still so much more to find. Yeah, did you, okay, well, okay, I guess I'm, I'm gonna ask, okay, alright, can we talk about the crime? Let's, 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 let's address Please. the crime, because I Please, feel let's like... talk about the crime! Okay, so, in this video game, uh, it is eventually, okay, I'm gonna say a name to you, and we're going to see if you found enough stuff in this video game. Okay. Dino Nigante. Yes. 
Okay, perfect. All right. Yes, the good. child Wonderful. of Yuri Knight, Carmelina. It's Carmelina and Ayes Kawami, who is not yes. in the game. He committed suicide. He is dead, but you can ago. go to his tomb. Yes, exactly. Now, I, I have trouble remembering everyone's name, but yes. And you only find him if you find the the magic awesome gloves the stupid that, gloves in sam daybreak's yes! back room sam daybreak ba- <laughs> that was the only thing in the game that pissed me off next was to an, how incredibly hard it is to find those stupid gloves next to some some flesh ripped from a god's body yeah right just just randomly and then you have to go up the the top of the mountain and find the place that you can smash through which is also not easy to find none of this is required and, and it is the, it's the guy it's the conspiracy <laughs> it is it and in fact the amazing thing about this all right so the the entire council was murdered the night before you're supposed to move on to paradise 25 mm-hmm. right yeah the night before this this big movement and every single person you talk to has a motive right yeah everybody wanted this to happen and everyone so what, had a motive and everyone is involved in in i believe a total of one two I don't think we get to three murder plots, but no, there, there two, are two distinct two murder distinct plots. conspiracies, yes. Both would have worked. Yep. <laughs> Both of which would have worked happening at the same time. It's incredible. And the physical murderers, the people who actually carried it out, uh, one a demon, one, um, gosh, what, say the name again. It was Ice Kwame. Dino Nigante. Dino Nigante. The two of them killed each other, right? Uh, actually, uh, no, uh, Montserrat killed both of them. Uh, Montserrat oh, shot the demon in the head right. and shoots um, right. Dino Nigante in the chest. You're right. But he was already dying when he Yes, did he that. was already dying, yeah. And then Dino Nigante ran back to his, his weird little uh, dojo closet to To wait out. for you to find him yeah, until yeah. he could finally... Uh, the interesting thing for me is that Dino Nigante waits for you to find him, gives testimony, and... Yeah. God, there's a brutal... So I replayed that scene um, yeah. right before coming on. He has a really brutal line where where you go, um, where, where Lady Love dies goes, hey, we need to get you help. And he goes, no, life has been bad. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, because this is in a game full of really dark stuff. Um, for as much as this game is like a cool vibe heavy vaporwave thing, there's some deeply, deeply troubling stuff in it. Yeah. Um, both in terms of like, existentially troubling in terms of like and like you know socially troubling you know the fact that an entire society is being sacrificed mm-hmm. to kind of fuel these gods who they don't actually believe in uh only who some of them believe in uh, in the hopes of achieving this perfect vision of reality which oh that's a that's a cool capitalism that's a hey this right? is a cool it's kind of like a cool capitalism metaphor um <laughs> kind of worshiping these gods who uh don't care about or actively hate you but if you do it wrong, your society punishes you. And also we're going to feed the mat, literally feed the, and sacrifice the masses to them. But that aside, the game's dark. It's grim. There's some troubling things in it. Dino Nigante is dreadful. Yeah. Like, like what, what, both what he is and his experience of the world is just, even in this game full of like very weird and out there characters, he is a... He's a break, and he is the center of this basically murder conspiracy. So let's really quickly. I think uh, I want to tell the, the the two murder stories. Tell tell the story and get us to to Dino Nagante existing. He's the child of Ice Kwame and Carmelina Silence, like you said. Yes, but there's more to it. Right. So basically, the syndicate has rules. Um, one of those rules is they're not of kids. Um, they are not supposed to, I believe this is the case, um, or at least council members are not right. supposed to. 
Um, council members and syndicate members are not supposed to interact. Ayes Kwame was a member of the council. So all council members are part of the syndicate. Not all syndicate members are part of the council. Uh, and Carmelina Silence was actually forbidden from becoming part of the council, I think, for something one of her parents Because did. she is an architect. Because ah, she is the architect and because of her yes. father's crimes. So her, father's crime. her yep. father was the previous architect. He builds the islands. He dies. Uh, he was, I think he was killed because he did crime. Uh, and then at that point, she is basically barred, both because she is um, the architect and because of her father's crime, barred from joining the council. She's furious about this and basically always um, holds a grudge against the council because of this. And it kind of drives her, her ambition drives her to try and kill leader Monserrat and the rest of the council by taking her child, her secret child that she had with Ice Kawami, training him to kill, and then working with Witness, her sometimes lover, to plant um, a portal in the council chamber, uh, basically before the council chambers. Uh, there, are th- there are four stages before you actually get to the council themselves. Yeah, it's the impossible crime because they're they're killed in like the most secure location in all of existence. Literally impossible to get into. Yep. Which is why it requires so many people. Yep. But it just so happens that one of those people was the architect of these islands. And while she's incapable of um, getting in there, her child has the same abilities that she does and therefore can get in and get out. Particularly because... He has the blood of a council member. Yep. Yep. And he's been fused with the flesh of a god. So he yep. gets through all of the barricades, gets in there, shows up, kills all the council members. At the same time, <laughs> uh, I believe Yuri Knight Meanwhile. has contracted the daybreaks. Uh, basically, the daybreaks say, we do not want to be part of the syndicate anymore. We want to leave. The daybreaks are former assassins. I think it was, I thought, it, no, it was witness to the end. Yes, witness, sorry, witness to the end contracts yes. them. Because that's important because he and Carmelina are hanging out when it's happening and they both excuse themselves to go to the other room <laughs> oh, right. to arrange the murder. They both, they both step out of the room to go, ah, yes, I have Par- to go. To- Pardon me, me I've got to send a quick text. <laughs> Pardon me, I have to go commit a murder. Ah, you two, <laughs> so wonderful. Good. And they're um, each other's alibis. <laughs> yeah, they oh. are each other's. Oh, it's so good. It's such a good video game. Uh, basically, Right, Yuri Knight is part of the Carmelina scheme. Yes. No, Yuri Knight is yes, Yuri Knight is part of Carmelina scheme. Yeah, because he also yeah. thinks he's perfect. He's just a Yuri Knight's a jackass. Yeah, <laughs> Yuri Knight's character trait is that he's a jackass, uh, and because of that, he I, commits this murder because he's a jackass who wants power and thinks that he's perfect. And he did the uh, framing of Henry Division, right? That was the part of the plot that he was responsible for? No, uh, that's Akiko, um, St. Akiko 14. Yuri Knight is the person who gets them through the obelisks. Right, I, I see. I thought he was the one who worked with her. Yes, uh, so, God, this is this is nonsense. If you haven't played this video mm-hmm. game, okay, mm-hmm. I'm stopping. I'm going to list characters and names so we have a baseline for who is who. Carmelina is the architect. Yeah. She builds the islands. Do you want? Do you want to link with all of them? Oh, I can. Oh, I can just do this. You got it. Okay, then you don't need it. I've got the link up. But yeah, I can, go for it. I can just do this. You got it. Carmelina is the architect. She builds the islands to try and appease the gods, eventually building a perfect island where a bunch of sacrifices are going to happen and all of the gods are going to incarnate. This is the plan. This is the hope. Okay, we have Lady Love Dies, the player character and investigation freak. She is a cool lady. Her job is to investigate things. She is exiled, right? Okay. We have Witness to the End, whose job is to literally watch the end of each island. That is his job. That is his only job. Someone has to do it. Um, so he is the witness to the end. 
um, God, what is his? Let me try and remember his. Oh, yes. His faith has driven him to this yes. murder. Yes. Uh, for him, the council are are profane and have gone away from the teaching of, uh, not the teachings of the gods, but have of, have focused on the perfection of the islands. Instead of the resurrection of the gods. Yeah. Right. The resurrection of the gods. Exactly. So let's witness to the end. Those are two primary ringleaders. It is Carmelina, the architect, who is mad, uh, basically her ambition to power, and then witness to the end whose um, ambition uh, and faith are what drive him. Um, so these are two ringleaders. They are working with St. Uh, Carmelina is working with St. Akiko 14. Grand Marshal. Yeah, yes, Grand Marshal Akiko 14. Or is it Grand Marshal St. Akiko 14? I, on this, it says Grand Marshal Akiko 14. I don't okay, remember the Saint so, part. I guess I yes. got Grand Marshal and St. confused. Um, mm, same deal. Uh, oh, I think St. 14 is a Destiny character. So I think ah. some, something something 14 is a Destiny character that I've heard people talk about. And and she's basically the general slash Captain of the Guard slash police chief of the island. Yeah. And what she does is she basically is is trying to frame Henry Division, who is a regular human being who was possessed by a demon earlier in his life, um, possessed by a demon. Carmelina and Akiko 14 are the ones who basically get him possessed yep. and then frame him for the murder of his own mother. Yep. Uh, and he gets um, basically put in prison, and they are trying to put this crime on his shoulders. And he also kills One Last Kiss. Oh, he does kill One Last Kiss. The Exorcist. Right, 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 right. Akiko 14 kills One Last Kiss. And this is something you slowly figure out. Right. One Last Kiss is somebody who randomly shows up and gives you clues for a bit. Uh, But it turns out she is a ghost murdered by Henry Division, supposedly, and that's why he's actually in prison, killing her and killing his mom. Uh, But Akiko 14 actually did it. Right. So uh, that is Akiko 14, who kind of sets up an alibi for, not an alibi, sets up Henry Division to take the fall for this crime. Everyone on the island wants Henry Division to take the fall for this crime. Well, mostly everyone. I think that there are some characters who are neutral to whether or not he takes the fall. Then we have um, Sam and Lydia Daybreak, two former assassins who fell in love with each other and want to get out of the islands. They want to leave the syndicate. They think it sucks. They just want to have normal ass lives. Who fell in love with each other the moment they killed each other. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just have to add that moment. Yes. That when they were still humans before they became immortals, they were the best assassins in the world, contracted to kill each other, and in the moment when they killed each other, they fell in love. And that's why they become immortals. Right. Uh, and they went out. So basically, they went from being assassins immediately into being weird, immortal things, and they never actually got to just have a life together. Uh, and desperate for this life, they try to get out any way they can, and witness to the end gives them a way out and says, I will let you leave if you help me do this murder. Uh, because you are the best assassins in the world, you can get through these defenses that no one else can. Quick pause. Do you think they want to live together or separately when they get out? Oh, together. What? No, my read is that they want to go on completely different adventures. I talked to Sam about it. He was like, I want to go make whiskey. Lydia just wants to tour the world. We don't have to do that together. Oh, I forget that line. Yeah, they just want lives. It's not that they're like, they've fallen out of love. It's just like, love means having space too. And like, that's cool. Which I've never seen a love story where it's like, no, they even either have to like break up or they have to be in love forever. It's like, or we could just both do different things, and sometimes we still love each other, and that's great, too. Right. It's it, it's very much a vision of a person who, who stays home and, and has a bar, and the other person goes and, like, explores the world, and they still yeah. care about each other, and they still, like, see each other. Yeah! 
Uh, that's the that's the life that they want, and that is the life that they cannot have in paradise. Because in paradise, there is only so much world to see, uh, and only only so many drinks to serve. Um, <laughs> and then we have Yuri Knight. Uh, Yuri Knight is an asshole. Paradise killer. It's whole. Yes. End of discussion on Yuri. I think that's good. He's, he's Carmelina's <laughs> assistant. He's um, just he's just an assistant, and he's an asshole. The hell? Asshole. No he one is. likes him. No. no one likes him. He murdered a man named HKX. HKX Ugh. is the man who designed um, all the jewelry, the provisions to protect the council. Um, he is also obsessed with Crimson Acid. Crimson Acid is a soldier turned pop idol, and the best character in the entire game. Go on. This is true. Um, she is a cool, hot lady with the head of a goat because yep. there's a goat god, and the goat god decided to bless her. Um, she was a soldier who fought very, very well, and she was hot. Uh, and so a goat god went, hell yes, blessed her with a goat head, at which point she was turned into an idol. Crimson Acid just wants to go back to being a soldier, which actually the transformation from from soldier into uh, into like icon and into symbol of empire uh, is a really interesting transition that she wants to walk back. Yeah. That is, I think, I think really, really cool. Uh, and an interesting thing about her character, um, she kind of is your info broker in the game. She's in the hint system. You can buy hints from her that are kind of hints. Uh, there's, I don't, I don't think there's, there's like one or two things you can only get from her. But for the most part, I went, I didn't use the hint system at all. And so I went to her at the end of the game and went, I'm just going to buy all of these things that I already know. And she was like, you heard about this? And I'm like, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, please, no, please, okay. please give me your read. Crimson Acid. Um, next, we have Dr. Doom Jazz, who <laughs> didn't do anything wrong. He did nothing. He's a doctor. He was basically uninvolved. Yeah. Just a cool bisexual doctor who really wants to sleep with that's you. It. And then you, and then you can. I did. I didn't. I slept with Crimson Acid instead because he wanted it too bad. I did both. Yes, that's a good call too. <laughs> I'm not a cow. I'm not a cow. You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, I followed my heart. Listen, I am functionally a lesbian, but that man but. is very nice. Um, and he's got cool gold arms. Listen, Crimson Acid is my girlfriend, but I will definitely sleep with Doctor Doom Jazz. <laughs> that is, I believe, all of our main characters, excluding Danonigante, who is the, as we said earlier, the child of Carmelina. We talked about one last kiss. I believe that is everyone. That sounds good to me. Uh, we talked about the the, the daybreaks. Um, yeah. So the two murder plots are witness to the end goes. I have a demon. I have, because he and earlier in his life, um, he and um, Carmelina summoned demons together because they were like, I wonder what's happening here. So they learned how to summon demons and got Henry Division possessed years and years and years ago for completely unrelated, <laughs> or not completely, for somewhat unrelated reasons. Uh, but Witness learns how to summon demons, summons a demon, traps it in a box gives that box to the Daybreaks. The Daybreaks then deliver it and leave it in the council room. And eventually they call it with a phone and it opens the box and a demon springs out, at which point Lita Molsehat shoots it in the head. That is the first murder plot. That is the simpler of the two murder plots. <laughs> On the other side of things, we have Carmelina, who contracts um, uh, Grand Marshal Akiko 14 to create a complex diversion uh, because Akiko 14 wants more control of her soldiers because she keeps falling in love with them. 
Um, because she keeps falling in love with her soldiers, soldiers, she wants to remake how her role is supposed to work. She can't do that because the council won't let her. Carmelina promises an out for her. And so Akiko 14 agrees to frame Henry Division for the crime, sets up a complex way of framing this random kid who other people got possessed by a demon because he was mostly a disaffected young man uh, living under capitalism. At which point, Carmelina then has her uh, Yuri Knight break some of the seals and or find the answer to some of the seals before sending in her illegitimate son, Dainonigante, who lives in a bunker and doesn't know people. And Dainonigante goes in, murders the council, and is shot in the chest before escaping through his own portal back to his bunker where he waits for you, the player, to find him before going, yeah, my life has been terrible, and then dying. Well, he kills himself. I, I've spent my entire life hiding in my weird combat dojo, training for the day that I could murder the council. Yeah, it sucks. Just end it. And well, the more than that, he goes, he go, you go, you did you kill the council? And he goes, is that the people I killed? Which oh, is just a brutal line. Right. Just a brutal oh. line where he goes, oh, is that, the, is that who died? And it's just, oh my his, God. His life is so pointless that his mom, his mom never felt like he needed to know what she had what? created him for. Yeah, exactly. Like what she was doing with him. Uh, it's terrible. Oh. So. That is the two murder plots that you slowly uncover over the course of the game. I have a very important question for you. Yes. Who died at trial? Ah, the first time I went through it, the second time, because I was unhappy with what happened the first time, so I replayed that. What happened the first time? The first time, virtually everybody, including Sam and Lydia, because I tried to skate that line. I tried to skate that line where I was like, I'm going to say, I needed to bring down witness to the end. And I wasn't sure if I had enough evidence without bringing in Sam or Lydia's testimony. And as soon as I did, it all broke open. And so I went back, played it again with the exact same evidence and accused witness to the end with maybe some weaker evidence than I thought. And the judge was like, yeah, that sounds good. And I was like, oh, really? For real? Yeah, cool. Uh, it's the conspiracy charge. Yes. Yep. And the way you get him is on the conspiracy charge yep. because I think that even, wait, I, okay, so here's the thing. Here's my question. Okay. I, I did something similar. I also, well, because here's the, here's the thing. At the end of this game, you have all of these characters who you've become attached to, uh, and then you, as the investigation freak, have to enact justice. Your actual title, I believe, investigation freak. I just want to yes. explain that real quick. That is your actual title. You, the investigation freak, are given back your gun. Yep. Uh, and it's your job to enforce judgment, um, which in this situation is the death penalty for every single one of these crimes. This is a society where the only the only crime the only punishment is the death penalty, right? Which means you as the player are put in an awkward position. Yes. You have these characters you've become attached to, and you have a society wherein truth is tied and, and testimony is tied to uh, immediate consequence. So, when looking at the the Daybreaks, who just wanted out and didn't really want any part of this, the only way to save them is by omitting their testimony. Or not even omitting their testimony, omitting their crime, because if their crime is exposed, if it is given testimony, it becomes the thing that will, you know, put them in the ground yeah. by the rules of this world. So, at this point, you are constructing the truth. Um, the game's uh, tagline is truth or fact. Yes. At the end of the game, you take the facts and you construct a truth. And the difficult thing is that when your justice system is inherently violent, the facts and the truth will have to be different. Yep. Uh, and it's 
absolutely brilliant. Yep. Um, the trial sequence does such a good job of questioning our understanding of justice that it is just it is it is beyond phenomenal and i absolutely adore it i mean it does so through play you only yes. realize what's happening what is actually happening and what you only realize what saving them has to look like after you've already sentenced them to death yeah and it's 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 almost complete smoke and mirrors in terms of mechanics in that the actual mechanics of the trial are really really simple Mm-hmm. and you don't it just what evidence do you have do you use it on these people and you can go through the whole thing without any evidence like i said you can replay the game and just start accusing people of not having evidence it's it's very simple and yet even with just that modicum of mechanics when i went through it the first time it was so emotional so meaningful i was i was bought in and because it doesn't tell you what those mechanics are and until you replay it a few times and can can really get a grip on how that that trial is working taking away that knowledge from you gives it so much meaning and so much weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It becomes God. It's just, it is a, it is a really, really brilliant game. Uh, I, I love it a lot um, about how we, about how we construct truth and justice and, and assist. How do you construct truth in an unjust society? Yeah. Which is a really relevant question. Um, the fact that you have to actively obfuscate what has happened in this world uh, in order to protect these people who were accomplices in a crime that didn't even go through. <laughs> yeah. It, that failed. Yeah. Um, the demon was shot in the head. Yep. Malsahat killed it instantaneously. It's just so, so good, especially when these are characters for whom there are not other consequences. The only other consequence is exile which your character is exiled and seems to be a fate worse than death, uh, yeah. where you are stuck on an island for, I believe, 13,000 years, uh, stuck alone on an island for millennia with literally nothing. No, I think it's worse because it's with one book. Oh, right. It's one book. And it's some uh, just, you know, tattered detective novel that, like, even when you look at the description, it's like, eh, it was an okay book, right? It's like, it's almost worse. Yeah, that I have this stupid thing that I've no doubt read literally thousands of times. It's it's something. It is it is a brutal, violent society, yeah. completely enamored with an idea of success and godhood yeah. um, that is fundamentally unattainable uh, and and inherently self destructive and convinced uh, of its own righteousness. It calls right. itself paradise unironically. Yeah, yeah, it's completely convinced. Yes, completely convinced. Well, the only person who isn't convinced of it is one, the daybreaks. The daybreaks are done. Yep. But also Lady Love Dies. And Henry Division. Henry Division. Oh, yes, Henry Division embodies, like, Jack Halbertson's radical negativity yes. in, yes. like, such a cool way. Well, because... <sighs> did Henry Division read a book to summon a demon? Yes. Yes. He definitely did that, but he only because he was handed that book by someone else. But... They know what they are. The syndicate knows what they are, which is a really weird thing to realize. Or at least Lady Love Dies knows that they are monsters. Yeah. And I think that the Daybreaks know this. Uh, sorry, can I just address uh, Sam Daybreak's whole situation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fact that he's a. He's a skeleton he's man. He's a skeleton man, yeah. Specifically a red skeleton uh-huh. man because the blood soaked into his bones uh-huh. and turned them red. Yeah. 
Incredible. And, you know, terrifying and in the abstract, that sounds really weird and gross and like, just the most chill dude. He's so nice. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Like, Sam's great. Um, Sam's great. Well, also, the, the interesting thing is that these characters are postered, um, are like, not po- the poster childs, but are indicative of what restorative justice can be. These former assassins just go, with time, go, no, that sucked. No, I yeah. hated it. And it made, yeah. and I feel bad about the murders yes. that I did. And I want to go, paradise becomes a place for them where they have infinite time to become better people. And yeah. then they go, we did that. Now we want to go back. Yeah. We want to return to the world that we once made bad, yeah. having now understood what we can do, it, what other things we can do in it. Well, and, and so much of the game would seem to be about how uh, power corrupts. And it's like, not necessarily. Sam and Lydia are evidence that power can be restorative, that giving people freedom and options and time to become better people can be wonderful. It's all of these other people that use this, instead of becoming better people, to, be, to try to seek out more and more power, mm-hmm. to try and mm-hmm. you know, really gather power unto themselves. Mm-hmm. And then produce a society where the only language um, of justice is violence. Yeah. Which is... It's so good. It's such a good game. It's the assassins who understand violence. And then want to walk away. Yes. As opposed to the other characters who engage in more systemic for systemic forms of violence. Because it, um, the, it will get them that thing that supposedly they want. Right. The architect. Right. That is, oh, it's the thing. It's the means. Yeah. To build paradise is to engage in violence. Yep. For Carmelina, uh, for Witness to the End, his role as a witness is to watch violence be done. Yep. And be the give testimony to that violence. Uh, but not in the way we traditionally think of testimony. Um, when, you're, when we're talking about trauma, and in like, um, from the, uh, my understanding of trauma studies from like a literary perspective, in literary trauma studies, um, testimony is a very important term and it's a very important way to understand texts and how they function. This is not that kind of testimony. No. This is not testimony of trauma. This is testimony of, this is the testimony of faith, right? Yeah. This is... It's it is a fascinating video game. I really really like it a lot. Yeah. Oh, this game is so good. Okay, we have to to start wrapping things up a little bit though. Um, so we'll we'll try and figure out anything we left out as we go. I had some some lingering questions uh, I wanted to give you. Uh, favorite character? Uh, what's this trying to say? Any lingering story questions? And also, just so you can think about it, what is your Paradise Killer character name? If we gave you a, a character name like Lunatic Pope or Henry Division, what do you, do you want to take one on? And you can oh, take a few minutes to think about that. Oh uh, God, you can't ask me do that. I know it's cruel. No, it's cruel. no, I. This is just like my tabletop character names, which are all yeah. just, which are all Ooh. just something else. Yeah. Okay, I think I, I my immediately a character name did spring to mind, but I'll, let's let's go into the fr- other questions first and see if I can make something better than that. Sounds good. Um, all right, so uh, the first question then was favorite character. Um, I would say, God, am I going to say the lesbian answer? Yes, I am. Okay, I. I know that doesn't make me a lesbian, but does for me. Thank you. I love Crimson Acid. She's I so great. Love, I love Crimson Acid. She is. She's awful. She's awful. She's yeah. just just the worst. Yeah. But she's also my wife. So yes. 
ripped to you, but I'm different. She's yes. just so good. If it, if I couldn't say Crimson Acid, my incredible wife, who in my head can't, and is who Lady Love Dies, ends up dating yes. uh, after uh, 1,000%. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Crimson Acid is also barely tangentially related to this murder plot. Like, like she's yeah. part of it. It's basically uh, the two characters you can sleep with are the two characters who are least related to this murder plot. Yep. Crimson Acid is an object of, of, of obsession for HKX, but, like, all she does is, like, get some stuff from him. She doesn't, like, break any seals. She doesn't, like, she doesn't do anything. She's just sitting there being like, oh, this is not great. For as much as she wants to be, I think for as much as, the thing about Crimson is for as much as she wants to be free of this position she's been given, her her complicity and violence to free herself from that is, I don't, I don't know if she even gets the chance to do violence to kind of free herself from that position, because all she gets the chance to do is kind of steal this thing from HKX, at which point she's like, yeah, that's what I did, sorry. Yep. <laughs> Whoops. That's it. I stole some codes. No biggie. Um, if I couldn't say uh, her, I, I, huh? I really like Henry Division. Yeah, that's a, he's a he's a cool dude. He's a he cool is. dude, and I want to hang out with them. Yeah, Henry Division's great. Well, I don't know if that's true. He, he's the only one who's got an accurate view on this world. I think that Henry Division is a very specific kind of disaffected young man yeah. who I would be really scared of unless he like fixed some stuff within himself. Yes. Who I would be like deeply terrified of and not comfortable around unless he really worked on some stuff. But if he worked on that stuff, no, I would totally hang out with this dude. And he's the only citizen that is a character. He's the, the only, only one. member of the lower class that's part of this. Every other member, and there are citizens mentioned by name, but they never appear. You never get to talk mm-hmm. to them. Uh, they're basically an afterthought in this mm-hmm. game. And I think that's intentional. Uh, you, you've come in after they've all been killed. Well, they're also, they're also sacred yeah. uh, in, like the, in like the traditional sense. Yeah. Um, sacred from sacrifice. Sacrifice meaning to, to put in place of another. Yep. And that is Henry Division is a sacrifice. Um, is, is the most sacred character in this text. And is the only civilian we see. The He's civilians are the sacred ones. Yes, he is a scapegoat. The civilians are the sacred ones here. Yep. And I think I think this text understanding of sacredness is actually really really strong because he is cordoned off from the rest of society uh, and is in the sacred position. For being possessed by a demon, he is sacred. Ugh. Good game. Good, good game. game. Who are your favorite characters? Uh, definitely Crimson Acid. Uh, you yes. said enough. She's amazing. Uh, I'm gonna go with with Sam. Nice. I like that guy. And and I thought about going with Sam and Lydia together, but that felt like a bit of a cop-out. And so then I, I decided to choose one of them, and it was really easy that it was initially Sam. Uh, I liked Lydia a lot from the moment I met her. She was great. But she lied to me in a more personal way than Sam did. She, <laughs> Sam was like, oh, well, I guess you figured it out. Yeah, I've been doing this stuff. And Lydia really tried to gaslight me. And really mm-hmm. tried to, you know, hey, no, no, you don't want to poke over here. No, 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 no. Right. And, and it's, there was a moment of betrayal with Lydia that I, that I still haven't totally gotten over, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the, the idea that after this game, we're still friends. It, it's going to work out. It's going to be mm-hmm. great. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, I, I realized uh, through uh, this conversation that, that there's some lingering feelings about, about Lydia. And Sam, totally forgiven. He's, he was a chill dude. He was great. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so what about, I think we've gestured at this already. What is it trying to say? I don't think it has a single coherent 
this is the thing it's saying. But what you've gestured at is that a society where justice is defined by violence is is always going to uh, fall short of anything like reconciliation. Uh, I think the other thing is that um, the like the part of it that is about capitalism. Yeah. The the these islands are metaphors for capitalism. Right. Absolutely. It is. It is recursive models. It is continuing to try the same thing over and over again to appease these unknown gods, this this unknown system in which there are people who have a position of power controlling uh, the means of production. In this case, the means of production are literal lives uh, our, our bodies um, uh, is, is sacrifice, uh, control the civilian population who are then sacrificed to these gods to then try and make a better version of this thing that will never come to fruition uh, in service of these gods who are explicitly evil. Um, the gods are evil. The characters know they're evil and worship them anyways. Yep. And yeah, it sucks. It's not good. Uh, and the text realizes this. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not just the syndicate members you deal with, right? It is the council. It is, it is the syndicate as an institution, which is actually what I'm really curious about. How do you feel about, we didn't mention one thing about this game, the drinks yeah. that take you to the bar sequence Yeah, uh, in, in Island and Instance 25. Who are those characters? I don't think they're anyone we see in game. I don't think so either. Uh, I think that those are civilians. I agree. Uh, I think they're citizens. I think that, and I think that's important. They are citizens existing in this world without uh-huh. the syndicate members. Uh-huh. And it, it's a real, it's not a paradise. I don't want to call it a real paradise. Because no. Instance 25 is something different, right? Everybody has been wiped out. And this new world that has been created is better than all of the previous paradises in that the citizens exist and can have conversations and can just kind of hang out in a bar and and talk. And that's its vision of, of not utopia, but at least a different place. Right. It's so- something better. Yeah. Something else, something better. And they're kind of talking about what happened on sequence 24, which is interesting uh, because it kind of suggests that someone gave testimony. Is it Lady Love Dies? Is it Judge? Someone then has given testimony to what happened there. Um, But it's all rumor, right? So much of what they're talking about, they're disagreeing about the details. Right. It is rumor. Someone gave testimony. Well, I mean, that implies it's Crimson Acid. Right. She's gotten the word out. Which is interesting. Uh, I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a cool, I think it's a cool video game about the way that capitalism destroys itself, uh, and is an ideology that will lead to its own destruction, uh, but not before killing every single person it touches. Yeah. Yeah. That's my take. I love it. Okay. I don't think we've got many lingering story questions and I think we started to get to those. Let's get to our our character names. You said you've got yours. I've got mine down. Uh, I did it while we were talking just now. I'm going to lean on an old tabletop character. Uh, I played. My paradise killer name is Eminence Dahlia. Ooh, that's good. With an E or an I? Uh, for which which? Uh, Eminence or Eminence. Oh, Eminence. E M I N E N C E Dahlia. Yes. Uh, that's that's wonderful, Eminence Dahlia. Uh, mine is Azazel Apocalypse. <laughs> Azazel being the Hebrew word for scapegoat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, just uh, just that that came out as we were talking about scapegoats in Henry Division. Um, 
Azazel Apocalypse. I like Paradise Killer a lot. It's a good it's a, game. Y'all ever played video games? These things are all right. They, they're good. Sometimes they are good. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, now to play What's the Drink? What's the Song? Uh, stick with me, and uh, we'll go through this music bump, and I'll see you on the other side. This game's pretty fun with frustration. When I was old, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? And so uh, every month we choose a, a drink and a song that are uh, emblematic of the game we just played. Uh, I chose for my drink um, Tequila Sunrise just because to me it, it felt very Miami Vice. It felt very Vaporwave and like the thing that would be a, a drink that is chosen and described literally because of what it looks like. Uh, more than what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is going to sound like a weird take, but let me explain. I'm excited. Paradise Killer is, to me, some kind of, like, um, custom weird Starbucks Frappuccino. Yeah. Like, like overly colorful, way yeah. too sweet. Yeah. Too sweet, too colorful. Uh, but, it, what, but imagine one of those not made at Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, imagine one of those made by... Um, God, I'm trying to think of the right kind of person to make it. Uh, like a weird, super colorful, super fruity, very sweet frappuccino uh, made by made by a really accomplished barista. Yeah. But at a place that does not look like it should serve frappuccinos. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking like, like uh, airport uh, bar, coffee shop kind of thing where it's like you, you can get your your burnt coffee on the way to the plane, right? Yes, it has to be a liminal space. Yes, it, and it's like you you go in there, you get your Cliff Bar and your coffee, and you you see that uh, the barista is uh, putting together this this frap, and it's it's like a unicorn frap, but it's it's an ironic pastiche of it. That, exactly. Yeah, that, that something in the way that the <laughs> the sprinkles are placed on top <laughs> that they are shard sprinkles instead of the little little sprinkles that you're like ah uh, I see what you're doing I see. This is an ironic frappuccino. Yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. I appreciate this frappuccino. Me looking at a frappuccino. I'm very smart, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the idea of an ir- ironic frappuccino. <laughs> oh. oh, God. The worst man you know loves it. Yes. Cannot articulate why. <laughs> so good. No, but unfortunately, he won't stop articulating why. Exactly. He, he cannot and will not stop articulating why. <laughs> God, dreadful. All right, uh, I went. Good drink, though. Thank you. Uh, wait, no, that was yours. Uh, that it was, was a good drink, and I and I appreciate it. I like it. <laughs> um, for my song, I went really obvious. Uh, REM's "End of the World as We Know It," uh, as you know it, and I feel fine. I went for a couple reasons with this. Uh, one is obvious, "End of the World," uh, but the amount of lyrics that they try that Michael Stipe tries to fit into every verse. And the just quick pace of it feels like the lore in this game. Like, mm-hmm. ask me one lyric from that song other than the chorus. And I'm like, six o'clock. He says six o'clock at one point, and then he just keeps keeps just yammering on trying to rap. And it's like, that that's the way the lore in this game feels. And yet it also has those restful... The chorus of the song itself is just very, like, end of the world. I mean, it's very chanty. It's very, like, we could all sing this together. It's-
it's it feels very safe and nice as opposed to what is happening in the rest of the song. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's my pick. Uh, I have. I'm gonna cheat. Can I give two songs? Please. Is that allowed? Okay, perfect. Oh god, I just saw another song that's a good one. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you can't have three. You can't. I'm gonna yeah, put I cannot my have foot three. Down. <laughs> uh, Death Spiral by the Dirty Projectors. Okay. Um, which is a. It is a very. It is not vaporwave. It is a song that is very. There's a lot happening in it, but the distinct layers of it feel both independent of and in conversation with each other uh, in a really cool way. Uh, and it's called Death Spiral and is about, I believe, kind of a relationship falling apart, but also is like oriented around this metaphor of a death spiral, which is to me what this game's understanding of capitalism is in, yeah. right? These, This is, paradise is a death spiral. So, my other one is because I cannot go five minutes without talking about Phoebe Bridgers, because I'm that kind of gay girl, I am going with I Know the End, uh, which is the final song off of Punisher, uh, which is a song about the end of the world. Uh, that finishes it is basically this like really gentle um incredibly strong like lyric song uh that has like some incredible incredible lines in it uh, about living under late capitalism um it is really good and finishes with this apocalyptic and beautiful scream towards something else uh and something new and it finishes with phoebe bridgers just screaming until she laughs uh, and getting caught up in it, uh, and it fades away. It is probably my song of the year. Uh, it is very good, and I think that there is something in here about there's something in Paradise Killer that aligns with it. course the alternative is you missed my heart which is a song about a murder uh, i snuck in the third one i'm sorry of course of course you must transgress i understand but he missed my heart he missed my heart and just before everything went dark uh well this is fantastic thank you so much um i'm gonna spend some time talking to uh usual co-host Ben about uh, other things going on where you can find us all that Um, and then uh, we'll be back to say goodbye all right uh, so we're back it's just uh, Ben and I Ren is gone for now Uh, thanks again to our special guest Ren Um, it's fantastic to have her. she knows so much stuff she's amazing it was nice to have someone who knows more about uh, gaming and game theory and stuff, or just really someone who knows more about Paradise Killer than you. Yeah, uh, just teach us and our audience. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. Someday I'll I'll play that game. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. I hope you do someday play it. Yeah, I will. I will. So uh, we're back. We're gonna do our uh, Black Developer Highlight. We're gonna talk about our next game, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, we gave you some good recommendations in the last side quest, so hopefully that's enough to yeah. tide you over for a month.
Totally, totally. So, and actually, here are some more recommendations in our, our Black Dev highlight is actually five or six Black developers. Um, I was doing some research, and one of the uh, the games that kind of a sensation for Switch and it's on a bunch of things is Swim Sanity. Have you heard of Swim Sanity? No. It's like a multiplayer online platformy underwater. It reminded me a lot of Smash TV, Yeah, actually, in just, in just watching it. So I need to jump in and play that. Uh, but it's by uh, two brothers. Uh, so I was going to choose that game to highlight, but actually they, the two uh, brothers who created that game, curated a list for Play New York, which is like one of the biggest gaming conventions in New York and one of the biggest on the East Coast. Uh, and they have an initiative called um, Graffiti Games, which I, I don't know if it's sponsored or started by Rockstar Games. But anyway, every year they they highlight some indie games. This year specifically, they highlighted five black developed games. And that list of five games they ended on was curated by the guys from Decoy Games, those two brothers who made Swim Sanity. Named after uh, NBA star Jeremy Swim, by the way. Swim Sanity. Not sure if you knew that. Jeremy yeah. Swim. Yeah. D- didn't like, realize that that was a real like, person. Like Lynn Sanity. Got it. Oh, See, that's right. my connection. It's rough. It's really rough. Speaking of New York City, right? The greatest Nick City. of all time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm quickly going to go through these five games they highlighted. They all sound really interesting. I want to jump in and play at least one of them. That's my challenge is to play one of them, uh, if not multiple of them, the next month. The coolest news for our listeners, at least, is that all five of these games I'm going to describe are all available right now on itch.o. We'll put links to to all of them. Uh, or at least links to this article, which has links to all these games uh, in the show notes. The first game uh, and the art for these is all really, really cool. So check out the uh, the article, even just to read through and, and be inspired by the art. Uh, it's Andrew Augustine's uh, Sheep Herder Nay, which, yes, is a game about sheep herding. It, uh, but it's yeah. N-E-I-G-H or N-A-Y or N-E-Y or... or N-A-Y. N-A-Y. Sheep okay. Herder Nay. Nay. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's a Ghost puzzle game herder. about... Uh, yeah. It's about... Uh, herding sheep and uh, yeah, okay. lots of fun puzzles. It, it's very like family friendly type, almost like a kid's game. It seemed like so cool, uh, but yeah, very cartoony type graphics. Uh, the other one is Derek Fields Oni Fighter Yasuke, which I know just from the title, Jason. I'm in. You heard me say Japanese words. You're I'm in a hundred percent. The weeb has logged on. <laughs> exactly, uh, but it is a side-scrolling action platformer. Okay, with a lot of Japanese lore and tradition and, and that type of storytelling. Uh, So, yeah, very interested in that. And it just looks beautiful, too. Uh, That reminded me a lot of Hollow Knight, actually, which is gorgeous. Uh, Then there's Kara Hillstock's To Be With You, which is a one of the two visual novels that I'm going to talk about here. But it's a visual novel style game that focuses on kind of emotional ups and downs uh, and kind of relatable emotional turmoil within relationships, within uh, romantic relationships. Uh, And also the part that you'll love, because I know you hate relationships. Hate them. The part to hook Jason is that it has multiple endings. Oh, choose your right. own adventure when we're style. A relationship with, a, with maybe a robot, and not a person. Exactly. Again, hate, hate relationships. <laughs> a Japanese robot. Yes. Thank you. I'm in. I'm back in. Or at least a robot that appreciates JRPGs. Yes. That's, that's the <laughs> core of my love. Yes. Then there's Michelle Santayo's Love Self, uh, which the title and the focus of the game is all centered around self-love which I thought was a very simplistic idea until I, I saw some of the screenshots of it and read more about it. Uh, but it's almost every aspect of the game from the art to the plot to the camera that you're looking through and the way that it gently sways in the wind is centered around eliciting a love of self and a love of joy. I want to check that out. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm yeah, and that that was probably the most intriguing to me just as a concept yeah. and how and how they executed that. So I'm definitely going to check that one out. 
And then finally, there's uh, Ricardo Lee's Hello Lantern, uh, which this this might be the most interesting, actually, but it has the, the simplest concept. Okay. And it, the first part, it's the first part, uh, this game, it is the first part of an interactive graphic novel-styled game, centers around lighting a Kongming lantern, those lanterns that you light and they kind of float into the air, and I'm always terrified they're going to start forest right. fires, but apparently they never right. do. But it's, it's centered around lighting one of those lanterns, watching it float away, and through that idea, and I guess through more storytelling and puzzles after that, it deals with themes of letting go, rebirth, family, death, and kind of heavier things within that. But again, it's it's an interactive graphic novel. So it's beautiful artwork combined with storytelling, combined with very, very simplistic controller and, and interaction, I guess. But um, but a really cool concept there. So there's five games plus Swim Sanity, um, six games to go forward that are all um, black developed that I hopefully we can continue to highlight games into 2021. Yeah. But thanks for thank you to our audience and the listeners for for going down this road with us this year. Yeah, and, and that should uh, keep you busy for the next couple months because, uh, as always, we have our holiday episode coming up next. So no game for uh, next month. Uh, but the month after that, uh, shall, we, shall we talk about our next game? We should, yeah. We're actually you know two or three weeks behind for our December game. So I guess last month was our game, our, our, our month off. I don't know. Whenever you get a time off, that's, that's when it was, whenever it happens. But yeah, we'll be taking January off, and our, this game we're going to talk about will be coming out first friday in february uh or last friday in january if you're a patreon supporter there we go so thanks again to all half dozen of you we really 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 appreciate you we really do yeah thank you very much um okay so our next game is escape from monkey island uh the fourth monkey island game uh to play it uh it we are getting down to the last few lucas arts games that we can play uh we have played so many lucas arts games here it's gonna be like one a year from here on out but that's okay because people keep making games they do that's true people loosely associated with lucas arts and telltale games and double fine games and anything that's loosely associated with ron gilbert and tim schaefer and their friends and neighbors are still sometimes we just play paradise killer and sometimes we play games that just remind us of games we love yeah Yep. Because they're games we love. Yep. yep. We always <laughs> knew this day was coming, but it's, it's really getting close. Of, uh, we're, we're starting to run out. Yeah. All right. So uh, play Escape from Monkey Island. Uh, we'll see you in, in yep. uh, about six weeks for that. And uh, yeah, tell them where they can find us. You can find us at menoflowmoralfiber.com. You can always email us at monthpod at gmail.com. M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D, as in Payable on Death, the band from San Diego, from the SD. Uh, as I think they called it, that was a tangent that shouldn't have happened. Do you, do you know what? Do you know what that needed? More letters being thrown at people as they're writing down. <laughs> Please stop. Are, do you think anyone's ever written down our email as I've said it on the podcast? Yeah. Oh, hold on, Quite he's going too fast. With with a quill. There's links in the description of this episode. There's links on our website, monf.com, menoflomofarm.com, monfpod.com. We have a bunch of websites. They all go to the same place. Uh, but yeah, you'll know how to find us. Yeah. Scream into the abyss, men of low moral fiber, and we will hear we will, you. We will answer, uh, though not well, always in the way you expect. That's true. Uh, again, special thanks to our, yes. our guest, Renata Price. And uh, let's, uh, let's throw it back to her uh, for the close. I have been Ren. And I will be Jason. And I am a bisexual, goat-headed vaporwave pirate. And I also collect antiques from a planet populated by slug scholars. <laughs> <laughs>